Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest with us for this episode of Deck Building and Dynamite. Some of you might know him as uh, BlueHG on Discord or Slack, uh, but for everybody who doesn't, everybody just in general, please welcome Patrick Wayne. Hi, I'm Patrick, uh, enthusiastic uh, Arkham Horror the Card Game player. I was the art director for Nisei for the release of Ashes, Downfall, and Uprising. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's the fan continuation of that runner. That was a game I was into for a while, did pretty decently at it. Tell us, uh, tell us more about this Netrunner game. This sounds really cool. 25 <laughs> seconds that are already on Netrunner. <laughs> so, so is, is, it like part of... is, is this some kind of like a cybercrime, uh, you know, one on one duel of wits and, uh, and, and cyber and also cyber wits? Like, is that is that the story here? Please tell me more. <laughs> no, Netrunner is uh, is another fantasy flight games uh, card game. Uh, that ran for several years, I think 2012 to 2018. Um, That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did absolutely love the game, did pretty decently at it, won a couple of regionals, won nationals once. Um, and then when the game officially got shut down, I uh, joined Nisei, which is the fan-run continuation of the game. And they're still putting together tournaments they're putting together new cards um and i was the i was the art director for uh the first two sets of the nisei tenure so if you see any of those cards uh my fingerprints are all over them from the commissioning of the art to creating like even the card frames and stuff like that um me and me and my team were the ones doing that i remember the day when they announced netrunner uh jacking out dan and i were distraught and we were upset and it's it's because of you and the nisei crew that we still get to play the game today and you guys are keeping it alive so thank you so much for that on stream for in front of everybody here i wanted to show we've got this pulled up here you wrote this article uh june 14th 2019 about the artist credits so this is just kind of affirming that you know everything that pat was just saying um that he puts together all the art for downfall all the art for all of the sets um so again netrunner competitive uh asymmetric fun future uh card game uh too, super too, awesome too beautiful for this world apparently <laughs> it is true um we, we should, I should mention briefly. So Dane mentioned to me, uh, oh, you know, uh, Pat is the guy that made that one uh, Scorpio deck that like won tournaments and just like, yes. and I immediately said, you know what? Let's not have this guy on. He's history's, <laughs> history's greatest monster. He's a bad person. Uh, we, don't, we don't want anything. But then he told me that you were the Nisei art director. And I was like, oh, okay. That kind of like, kind of it balances it out, right? Well, how to get the carbon yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Pat, I wanted to take a second to to thank you again for coming on and hanging out with us here um, to chat a little bit about yourself, build a deck with us. Um, we're doing a little bit different of a format this time. We're going to be doing a random investigator. Um, so we we have this uh, we have a tech wizard by the name of Harrison who uh, was able to put together a a interesting little spinner for um, we call it the wheel of of fortune or fate, which is a play on the card fortune or fate. Uh, and by we, I mean I, because I just made that up, like, maybe five seconds ago. So <laughs> so, so we're going to be using that to help build the deck. Um, you, you'll you be, uh, you know, doing the theme and everything. But before we go about doing that, um, you, you explained who you were and everything, so we do appreciate you going there. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit to your experience with Arkham, specifically. We know about Netrunner. Netrunner kind of came before Arkham. It was in 2012. Arkham was released... Uh, far after that, <laughs> and um, uh, Arkham was the future. Name, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Pat, how did you get first get into Arkham? So, I first got into Arkham just from following Fantasy Flight Games itself. Um, they announced Arkham, and I was looking to get into a co-op LCG from the ground up. Um, I had tried Lord of the Rings LCG, uh, mm. great game. Um, in a lot of respects, I think it does show its age in design. Um, and, uh, there were a lot of things about it that, uh, I found difficult to keep up with just by the time I was getting into it, it was probably 2015 or something. And, uh, it had been running for five years or something at that point. And there were a billion expansions and I was basically playing by myself and trying to get through all of the scenarios and like constantly changing your decks between every single scenario, not in the Arkham way where it's just a couple of cards, but right. Uh, and, the, and the expansions and packs all have names like the 13 sorrows of Thuliador or something, or whatever. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ar- Arkham is just as uh, esoteric name. Yeah, sure. and, I, uh, and, I, and I love Lord of the Rings. Don't nobody get mad at me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, again, love love Lord of the Rings. But it was at the point where the I felt like I couldn't catch up to the community, um, and I was looking for something with that weight of depth uh, that was still cooperative that I could get into on the ground floor, or at least have an easy in route to. Uh, so I was on board with Arkham from day one um, and mostly just played the first two cycles by myself through Path to Carcosa. Um, and I wasn't really like super into the game at that point. Um, I, because my life is dominated by that runner, uh, going to keep coming back to that because the two are like intertwined with me. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Eventually, I got to a point where, like, I was working so much on Nisei that I needed, like, non-Netrunner game time. And that's when I really dove into Arkham. Sure. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. uh, Just completely dove into it at that point. Started doing um, alt art, started playing the game a lot. uh, Played with a couple of uh, friends from my Netrunner group and uh, online. um, And it just really got into the game that way cool that was actually my next question i was gonna say how did you know you were hooked like when was the point where you were like well i'm in it for the long haul (laughs) um honestly it was probably my uh 
second playthrough of Dunwich. Um, it was it was the first time that I had replayed a campaign, and uh, I think a lot of the fear was completely dispelled by like I was afraid that it was going to be a story driven card game. And uh, with Lord of the Rings, I felt a lot like I beat the scenario, and that's kind of just a check in the block uh, sort of thing. Sure. But with Arkham, with the way the upgrades go and the different ways you can uh, go about completing the scenarios, it felt really dynamic to me. And it felt like there was a lot of depth of uh, gameplay. The, like, um, there's there's so many decisions you're making at every single point in the game. And right, right. I, I just really adored that. Yeah, yeah. So it, w- it was the first, like, before Carcosa came out, you're saying? Like, you did two, two runs through Dunwich, and then that was when you were like, oh. No, it was on my return. It was on my return to the game, actually. Oh, um, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, after I uh, stopped playing Netrunner as much, uh, I decided to pick up Dunwich again. Like, it, literally, when I say that, like, I kind of bounced off of it uh, at first. It was just, I played... Uh, the first two cycles and the core set like once each maybe sure um and then whenever i got back into it i was like i I should probably play what i have before i buy everything and i played the first two scenarios of excuse me i played the first two scenarios of dunwich again and then i bought everything immediately um (laughs) like yeah, coming back to it and realizing there was that depth of play there that I really craved from, that I really craved and adored about Netrunner, but it was in a uh, com- uh, cooperative environment. That's mm-hmm. that's what really sunk its teeth into me. Yeah, and I know that you were making alt art cards for Netrunner even before Arkham, right? You you made a, yep. a pretty pretty cool Val uh, that I that I've always wanted and I was never able to find, um, even at Magnum Opus when we went, but. Um, you made a lot of interesting art and, and kind of talking about more of how did you um, decide that alt arts were the thing that you wanted to be doing for Netrunner? Is that kind of like how you were exploring the game in addition to playing it as like a part of your passion for it? Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Uh, it was when I play any game, I always, uh, especially like traditional games, which uh, board games, card games, which are very tactile. Hmm. I like to contribute my own content to it. And for Netrunner, that was kind of hard because, uh, like, I started doing this with Netrunner. Uh, Netrunner, that's kind of hard because it has to, like, it has to be, you can't, like, make up cards, right? Right. <laughs> like, no one's going yeah. to no play with you in a competitive card game if you're making up cards. Um, uh, I for win. sure. Yeah. Uh, so I actually saw a uh, now a good friend of mine, Kat Shen, who uh, has oh yes, or Nisei, and is has is probably like one of the if not the most uh, like well known alt artist on um, with regards to Netrunner. Um, she made a uh, sorry, they made a um, they made a. Mac, a Kate uh, McCaffrey alt art. And as soon as I saw that go up, um, I was like, this is what I want to do. I've always, I've always drawn. So it like fit my skill set pretty well, but I had to learn how to draw digitally and work with like 
all sorts of other programs in order to figure out how to uh, make it look really polished and professional. Fantastic. So it was only natural for you to transition into that once you knew you were hooked with Arkham to, to go right over to doing to doing all of that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I like I helped make the card frames and commission all the art and uh, stuff like that for Nisei by the time I started doing Arkham alt art. So it was a very portable skill set. Uh, and yeah. it's just my little contribution to the game. Um, and I enjoy it. Uh, right now, uh, I don't know if you were planning on talking about this, but right now I have a dry, a charity drive going on on my store. Absolutely. Until, yeah. Uh, until the 20th um, for uh, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Uh, any alt arts you buy from my store, Netrunner or Arkham, uh, all of the profits from that will go towards the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, which is a Black Lives Matter uh, affiliate organization, which uh, it's uh, the premier organization in the U.S. for uh, fighting for racial justice and uh, equity in uh, legal avenue. Yeah, both, both. I mean, incredibly important to support the artist who is designing all these fantastic cards for us and for such a wonderful cause um, for everything that's going on in the U.S. right now. Um, I did pull it up here in, in the stream uh, for, for those who did want to check it out. We will put the, uh, the link in the description. Um, I'll throw it in here in the chat as well, uh, just so people can get linked to it, uh, purchase a bunch of cards. Um, <clears throat> And support you. So uh, with that said, um, I kind of wanted to maybe talk a little bit more about specifics of um, when you were designing these promos, how did you select the ones that you did? Like not not maybe like getting into specific cards, but like how do you kind of think about are they just your favorite cards or are they like specific cards that you thought might be good with an idea? Uh, a combination of uh, I had an idea for it, and crap, I need more of this card. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> frankly, I, I, I proxy occasionally when I'm playing two-handed or something like that. Um, but I, I mean, part of the appeal of playing a traditional game is having the tactile feel. So mm. I really wanted something that was uh, a, so a professional project, and I saw an avenue for me to like put my. Uh, to contribute to the game in some way. Um, so magnifying glass, uh, I was playing, I think it was like Pete with Rex or something. And I was like, dang it, I just need more magnifying glasses. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, that was the very first one I made. And then from there, it was basically uh, really usable cards that you might expect uh, people sharing a uh, collection to need more of. Um, yeah, that sure. said, there is there is one major departure from that, and that is the tarot set, yes. which uh, there, are, there are four entries for on my store. Um, they those, those were purely born out of just the idea of like, wouldn't it be cool if the tarot cards look like tarot cards? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, these are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, all of the alt arts are, but these are foil as well. So they have like uh, that that feel too there are foil and non-foil options the one you have 
pulled up here is non-holographic. Make sure. Oh, okay. If if you if you go to purchase, make sure you're reading the title block. It'll say whether it's holographic or non-holographic. I also have uh, sets that have full art versus yes. uh, text. So like ones that include the actual text from the game, which is better if you aren't super familiar with the cards. And then I have the full arts, which um, look which really bring the tarot look home more. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, yeah, they're the holographic ones. Um, I was just, I, I, I don't know what I expected whenever I ordered them, but uh, they, whenever I uh, pulled them out in person, it was really astounding how well they turned out in real life. They're, yeah. they're really pretty. Yeah, I know. I, I actually ordered some, like, when when I first saw them go up, <laughs> I saw it was like, these are gorgeous so i i had some and i i I, um bought them as a gift for my partner and and they're gorgeous um we haven't played with them yet but i'm so excited to upgrade into cards just so i can play them yeah they're (laughs) they're really cool they have kind of like the the foiling effect is like a little bit different from what you see in like magic cards or something but yeah it's kind of like a different feel to it but it looks really really nice yeah chat is asking if uh you recommend normal foils or the hollows doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything to me, but perhaps, perhaps you know what that means. Maybe in so, terms of quality, or... Is that like a type of uh, thing you choose when you produce the cards? Uh... Oh, okay. Uh, so I... Hollows and foils, for the purposes of this conversation, are the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if he... if Sorry, if this person is, rec- is asking whether or not uh, I recommend holographic or non-holographic... Um, uh, I recommend holographic. I think it looks gorgeous uh, in person. Um, it is a substantial price hike, and that's purely for the uh, printing costs. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to gorge anyone on this, so if the decision between holographic or non-holographic is based on uh, donation amount or how much I'm receiving, it's, it's the same between the two options. So I did just want to make that clear. Cool. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, I know. Super Sage, I hope, I hope that helps. We, both Dan and I have the holographic versions and they're gorgeous. I could not recommend them enough. I think I chose the text ones just because if I'm ever playing with somebody who's not as familiar, they might need that reference, but I might, I might be, be planning on picking up a, a text list as well. Um, that was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody interested, absolutely head down to Pat's shop, check it out. Um, Get some, get some of those. Scott from the Mythos Busters, welcome! Wow, it's great to have you here, man. I, one of the other things I do want to mention is that uh, originally I had planned for, like you'll notice the uh, the alt arts are all are almost all titled uh, fan vocation kits. Yeah, the intent behind these originally was to like uh, to help real life events like pulling the community together because a, a lot of times right now uh, or in in general uh arkham players are very siloed um you kind of play with your group and that's it and i kind of yeah. wanted to nurture more of a homegrown community community uh for big events like blob and lunacy or just like get people together and like uh be able to lean over and laugh at the guy who just pulled uh an auto fail on a uh on a min uh, king and yellow test. Oh no! Like, yeah, <laughs> I specifically have trauma with that. 
you mentioned something called real life events. That's I have a vague memory of that from a long time ago. I, I don't yeah. think I remember. Yeah, so, uh, I remember before times. But. Yeah, the before times, the fan vocation. Uh, so like that was the original idea behind the fan vocation kits with the reality that we will not be able to uh, play in person uh, outside of like pods or family uh, for a while. Uh, I did release the fan vocation one through four complete playsets, which is just a single playset for one person of like all of all of the cards in those. So that's uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, these definitely check these out. They look really, really nice. One thing I did want to mention while we have while we're on the subject of uh, meetups, hanging out with people, Scott, who's here in the chat, and the Mythos Busters are putting on FarcomCon 2020. Um, we'll be there uh, Thursday and Saturday, as well as a whole bunch of other content creators, Mythos Busters themselves, great old ones. Uh, Team Covenant is going to be there. They're going to be kicking it off on Thursday. Uh, this is an event where everybody can can mingle. Everybody can come to panels and check out people who are doing live plays, um, live streaming uh, their episodes of podcasts, um, just hanging out for some good old Arkham fun. Anybody who's interested, please go sign up, hang out with us, have fun because it's going to be a, a whole bunch of fun uh, for these four days. Uh, starts starting on August thirtieth. Uh, we've got fifteen days left uh, to. I'm sorry, not August thirtieth. July thirtieth to August second. Um, so we'll be there. Come check it out. We are absolutely excited to be there. Um, so with that said, um, the last question we kind of wanted to to ask you uh, before we go ahead and build a deck. Is there anything that you, you're working on now that you might be able to hint to us and the viewers? Uh, any secret projects that you could, might be able to, like, spill for everybody? Well, um, I have a couple things on the slate. Um, <clears throat> I have some more I have some more fan vocation kits coming out, so uh, there, there's going to be more alt arts in the future, uh, I'm not going to particularly uh, talk about those too in depth. If there are any classes that you notice missing from my repertoire of uh, alt arts, you can probably assume those are going to be in it. Um, and those will probably be released closer to uh, the end of August to uh, try to line up a little bit more with uh, the investigator starter packs that are coming out. Uh, in addition, I've been uh, working with our bits for uh, a couple of projects and I can't really talk about that too too much but uh, be on the lookout for some cool stuff <laughs> well we're excited miles makes some excellent stuff as do you so we're we're gonna be looking forward to when those are released as well um, otherwise Pat are you ready to make a deck I mean I'm ready to make <laughs> so we're going to be spinning the wheel of decks today, um, the the wheel of fate and fortune, uh, as as some might call it. We don't have a name locked down yet. I literally just made that name up. Like maybe when you say some, you mean just you, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I say some, I mean exactly me. Uh, so we're going to be making a deck uh, using 
the new uh, Arkham Spinner. You could thank Harrison for for providing the code and and the general wizardry here. Um, we've got some floating stars in the background. All we do is hit this spin button, and it will tell us who we're going to be building a deck for. Uh, Pat, you can you can kind of design the theme of how you want it to be. If you want it to be more of a themed deck, if you want it to be more of a deck that maybe you would take into expert or hard mode, however you want to play. Um, there is another decision that might go into your deck deck building, which would be t- choosing the campaign that we're going to be going into. So if okay. you're you know if you're going to the Forgotten Age, you might not be taking the same thing as if you're going into uh, the uh, Circle Undone or something like that. Um, if that's something that you want to choose absolutely welcome to do so otherwise we have another spinner uh the the wheel of campaigns uh sorry it's it's not it's not any cooler than than uh you know the wheel of fortune or fate but i have many spinners prepared (laughs) i love it these are the cheapest and i was told recently there are many ready to go uh so So, yeah why don't we why don't we spin this Uh, we did take the investigators that we've already done deck building episodes for off of it so there's no Carolyn or Silas or uh, Calvin or Skids, but everything else is on there, including Lola, which Lola seems to have an equal chance to all the other ones on the spinner, which is really concerning. Because you just get that rainbow color spread on Arkham BD. Huh, very pleasing. I know. So I, I feel... Lola, we're going to be watching the Lola spot for the most of this spin, but um, <laughs> if you're ready, I'm sorry, you can't actually click it because we're we're doing the stream in a specific way, but um, are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. We're going to be spinning in three, two, one. Is this, is this how it's going? Oh. What? It might have lagged on the stream for a little while. We're, we're, oh, oh. That's great. I think, I think we might be okay. We're going to be building a Joe Diamond deck. Oh, all right. Hunch. All right. Captain Hunch it is. All right. So, uh, did you want to take a second as well and spin the, uh, the wheel of campaigns? Does, is this something that you consider generally when going into campaign or do you more have an idea of what the deck's going to look like first, then pick the campaign? Uh, I actually normally pick the campaign that I feel like playing and then pick the investigators that I want to play afterwards. So Joe, Joe Diamond, I think, is flexible enough that uh, we can do the random spin of this one. Sounds good. Here we go. So Night of the Zelda is also on here. If that's something that's not, not as interesting to you, we can respin if you'd wish. Mostly, I mean, that would mostly just mean that you're going to get, like, barely any XP, which, you know. <laughs> All right. So we're going into the circle and done with, with Joe Diamond. Uh-oh. I feel like, I feel like Dan had not had a good experience when we... It was kind of fine. I mean, the will tests are not super easy, but there's been a lot of cards released since then that might help. Joseph, and, carbon uh, pressure. And you do. You get a ton of XP, which Joe is very hungry for as much XP as he can get. So Yeah, all of the above. Agreed. I've played Joe on like single player, like true single player. I've played him in duo. I've played him in three person. He is one of my favorite investigators. Absolutely. So I am, I'm like thrilled that we got Joe Diamond. Um, maybe, maybe sometime soon we'll get Lola. Uh, but for now, uh, Pat, are there any specific cards that you're thinking? We can just kind of go through this. Uh, what are the first things that you think of when you're, when you're thinking of a Joe Diamond deck? Another another limiter. Uh, what is the player count? 
That's a good question. Uh, hold on one sec. My browser, my browser can't take, <laughs> can't take all this, Joe. Oh, I no. kind of deck that you want to make. Yeah, you can do solo, or you can do two-handed, or, or two-player, or okay. I mean, what do you, what do you play mostly? I guess I uh, I mostly like two-player, uh, just because I like seeing a, a lot of how the decks interact with each other, being able to cover each other's bases. I feel like there's more cushion in there. Um, with solo decks, you have to be really rigid you have to cover every base on your own have solutions for everything on your own and um it to me it like deck construction is kind of like my favorite thing about the game and seeing how it evolves throughout these scenarios so um i i always do two two-handed so that like you can fully uh realize a deck concept without feeling hamstruck by having to do everything Let's do it. Two-handed sounds great. Or two or a two-person pl- player. Yeah. Two-player would be great. <laughs> uh, and I guess, it, does difficulty matter when you're, when, you're doing standard to hard, expert, nightmare? Oh. <laughs> someone does where everything's a tentacle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a uh, deer. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I don't actually pronounce it. Uh, but uh, he has some videos up on... this uh i prefer standard just so that we can kind of just like be a bit more relaxed in our card choices see i i I also have my own super cool vanity extremely hard mode uh but it's all the all the tokens in the back are elder signs (laughs) but you cannot manipulate cards or tokens with your hands you can only use your teeth and your face so when i'm I'm really looking for a challenge that's 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 the direction that i go not COVID friendly. Not COVID friendly. Yeah, they're my cards. You know, it's it's fine. It's fine. Glad I haven't been exposed to this. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Okay. Dane, uh, the stream appears to have been frozen. I don't know if the audio is frozen, but I'm trying to make sure. Can you guys uh, still hear me? Yeah, it's working now. Um, okay, I just want to make sure because because my my computer is 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 chugging. <laughs> Yeah, it seems fine. Yeah. All right, so why don't we start breaking the deck? Because now we have, this is a you know, Joe Diamond has a bigger deck than most investigators. Not all, yeah, but most. Cards. So yeah, yeah we get a lot of cards in here. Um, so I guess yeah, like how do you how, when you go out making a deck pack? Where do you start? You start with like cards you want to build around or filler cards. I don't know. Uh, yeah, normally I start with cards I want to build around. I guess for this, it's just Joe Diamond is the card we're building around, so that's uh, totally okay. Normally, I get um, what I consider kind of staples of the class out of the way. That's your, like, um, uh, shortcuts uh, and deductions for Seekers. It's your... uh, like vicious blows or scene of the crimes, your weapons for guardians, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. 
just good place generally, like things that help you do your job the most. So we're going to be doing this two player. If you're looking at a Joe Diamond deck in two player, are you normally looking for like somebody who's going to be working with you to do like kind of 50 50? Or are you looking more as Joe as this as the primary uh, uh, seeker or fighter? I think for this, Joe, especially for the circle and done, uh, those first few scenarios are really brutal if you specialize. Um, so I would, as pretty much everyone who has gone into this blind with a specialized investigator can attest to. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am imagining Joe Diamond uh, being pure flex uh, and whatever investigator we would take it as, as his counterpart would also be pure flex um cool yeah. okay so you you mentioned starting out with like deductions and things obviously i i personally think fantastic choice scott mentioned in the chat here uh working a hunch immediately as the first joe pick as yep. as captain hunch uh i feel like that's probably a good idea yeah 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 Three points, yeah, because working hunch is great in the hunch deck because it uh it's free and fast. Um, exactly. So I guess one of the bigger questions here, uh, when building a Joe deck would be, what do you like to put in a hunch deck? I know that there are kind of two different modes of thought here. I personally like to put like fast things that are generally pretty versatile that you can play that that so where you're always benefiting from it rather than situational things like uh, like logical reasoning or, or any sort of like things that would require if this, then you can heal. Instead, things like, even if you're not getting a discount for something like Shortcut, how do you feel about that? Do you like including things like, um, uh, what's the one, not Crack the Case? Work, um... Well, Crack the Case. Crack the Case is, one, Crack the Case should definitely be in this deck, but two, it should not be. Right. I, I would not include it in the Hunch deck. Because it is such an opportunistic card. Um, yeah, I think. I think it's great. Yeah, um, I I generally go towards uh, basically uh, the same thing as you, Dane. Where hmm. uh, as flexible as it can be is better. Uh, that said, um, there are some cards which uh, can be either like if you put shortcut in your main deck or in your hunch deck i think it's good in both places uh you can almost always use a free move but also sometimes holding on to the card until you can use the best free move is best so uh it it, it can go either way another semi-situational card which i do include in the hunch deck is uh preposterous sketches um, sure yeah yeah, it, it is kind of situational, but that situation is easy enough to fulfill, and the reward for achieving it is so good. Three cards that uh, I really, I really like it there. So we're thinking two copies of Shortcut, two copies of Preposterous Sketches. Yep. Okay. We can also normally what we do is we just kind of like put in two of everything, and then we can always sort of cut it down later just to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Generally, when building a deck, I throw in all the cards I want, and then I start taking a out. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely agree with that. That's how I make Netrunner decks. That's pure jank. How, that's that's how that works. How do you, uh, if we're still talking about insights, how do you feel about uh, Scene of the Crime? That's a, that's a card that I like in the Hunch deck a lot. I agree with that. 
especially I think in a, if you're aiming for two player, anything that gets you like exactly two clues is really great because you might be able to clear off an entire location. Totally. Uh, this, if you're including scene of the crime in the hunch deck, it kind of, to me, it kind of pushes shortcut into main deck. Yeah. Because, yeah. The obvious. At least obvious until you get Pathfinder. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, just so you can like scoot yourself to a place where that might have clues and then pick them up with the end of the crime. Perfect idea. Um, and you gotta do it if you're engaged with an enemy too. So that's true. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Pathfinder. So the one thing, the card that I was thinking of earlier, uh, crack the case is fantastic. But this is kind of like I always thought connect the dots and crack the case kind of came out at the same time, or, or relatively. Uh, you know, within the same time frame of each other. Connect the dots is kind of like you connect the dots, then you crack the case, which I thought was kind of a neat lead into into each other. Um, how do you feel about connect the dots? I've never really used it too much. It's it's kind of pretty expensive for the price that you could pay for like a fingerprint kit or a Dr. Milan Christopher. What are your thoughts on that in like a Joe deck where you can utilize it in the hunch deck? Uh, that's, that's kind of how I feel too. Um... It's definitely better in uh, two-player than in single-player because, uh, like Dan said, it's a two-clue event. Yeah. Um, but it is situational enough that it never feels reliable in the hunch deck. Uh, sure. But like you, like you said, Dane, I I haven't really, ex- I haven't really played it too much. So um, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. I- I would also think that in in the more if you have like a four player group, people might kind of like fan out, explore a lot of locations. There's like a higher chance that you have a location with lower shroud you can get two clues at. With two players, you might be like working together. I feel like it might be less likely that you have a second location with clues that you can use it on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so would you prefer to put like one or two in, or leave it out for now? I'm leaning towards leaving it out for the time being. Okay. <laughs> so what's another? So let, let's kind of. Do you want to go into the, some assets maybe, and we'll come back to the hunch deck. Yeah. Um, so one asset that immediately came to mind when I saw the combination of uh, the circle undone and um, Joe is handcuffs. Handcuffs. Uh, Get those cultists out of here. I know, I know. Yeah, well, uh, you can, because there are those treacheries that you can, uh, that you can discard if you have an evaded witch at your location. Go For sure. Low will and trouble getting rid of those, right? That's so, true. So handcuff a witch and bring her around with you. <laughs> we, uh, we, we did a uh, playthrough of all guardians in uh, the Circle Undone, and, and we all did uh, handcuffs, and man, that was an experience. <laughs> How did it we turn out? Down on, we were pretty down on the handcuffs before then, but then we uh, arrested all the cultists, like in, in the fifth scenario, whatever it is. Oh it man! Really- in in for the greater good. Uh, spoilers if, oh, if anybody wow. hasn't seen it. It it completely destroys that scenario. Just handcuffs alone. You don't even need guns. You just bust down the. We had like just feds coming in. We had like B cops and uh, and and um, you know just the whole squad there arresting all the cultists and everything. It was fantastic. Um, but so for 
for this, I mean, you get a lot of use out of this because there's there's all those cultists, especially in like Echoes of the Past, where we're going to be yeah. trying to like race race against time to uh, stop them from get eating all the clues and getting doom. This like completely circumvents that, right? Yeah, yeah. One uh, one thing I'm really curious about. So I think when you build for characters like um, Joe or also Roland has this issue where they're a guardian that's going to be both fighting and getting clues. Feels like uh, hand slots are really precious, right? You have clue getting things like magnifying glass you might want to play you also have weapons so how what are you thinking about in terms of like balancing that like what sort of hand slot assets are you going to pick to try to get the most out of those two those two hand slots Hmm. yeah no that's a really good question um especially if you expect joe to be doing a lot of fighting you like generally the magic number is at least four weapons right Right. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so I think... Uh, I mean, if you have, like... You could maybe count the handcuffs as, like, half of a weapon or something. Maybe if you have ways to, like, ping things or deal with enemies in other ways, maybe you could go lower than that. But, if, if it's, uh, yeah, we don't really know because we don't know what the other deck that you're playing with is, right? Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the other deck can do its fair share of clues and enemies as well. I'm, like immediately what popped to mind is Diana or something. Uh, she is good synergy with all the cancels and Joe's low will too. So that's uh, a good point in my mind. Like there's a fantastic Diana deck that's going along with this. Cool. Yeah. 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 So in that case, then are you figuring that Joe is going to be needing more like 45 automatics, um, the enchanted blades or are we going my favorite route in two player? Anybody who can play Hawkeye folding camera in two player or one player, that's where you play that card. It's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, that's yeah. Tool can you at least use the guns at the same time? I yeah, that's a that's a good shot. Sword in one hand, camera in the other. Um, <laughs> the Hawkeye folding camera, I do love it. I do love it. However, I always lean towards Hawkeye folding camera if it's someone who can make use of the will. Hmm. And I don't think Joe like you're just you're just going to be eating it the whole time with Will Treachery. So if he has uh, double cameras, then he'll at least he'll have like a four will, so maybe he can actually pass <laughs> will tests. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Or no. and if he gets the cameras fully loaded, he'll get two extra sanity too. So when he fails the will tests. <laughs> it's kind of the thing. I mean, Ben's been making great use of the folding cameras in his Luke deck for our playthrough of uh, Dreamlands, which is cool. But I really think that the key fact there is that, uh, you know, Luke is mostly looking for the will, which is the first thing that you get with one piece of evidence, right? Yeah. And obviously, Joe can use the will occasionally, but I just feel like, you know, you compare it to something like Magnifying Glass, which just immediately helps you get clues without having to deal with any kind of like hoops you have to jump through. It's, it's, it's hard to spend one of those precious hand slots on a camera, to, to me. And just the tempo of magnifying glass is a lot better, too. It's that fast, is true. That is true. It's less cost. It doesn't ha- take time to charge up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You don't get to put, like, ten resource tokens on it by the end of the game. <laughs> I mean, you could. There's just nothing in the... There's no rule in the game that says you can't put random resource tokens on things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott actually makes a good point. Uh, Hawkeye is super useful in TCU. I've been playing um, Norman through the Circle Undone, and he's got two Hawkeyes going. And man, it, he just feels like this like 
I, I have a um, a mind's eye deck for for Norman, and it is absolutely bonkers cool. Um, so yeah. I I love uh, Hawkeye folding camera, but I can respect, especially because uh, Joe's not going to be having many, maybe a lot of resources too. If he's going to be playing guns as well, he's going to want to focus on the fact that well, he's going to be putting out a gun. Magnifying glass seems like the perfect counterpart to that. Cheap, fast yeah. to get out. Um, so so we'll throw in two magnifying glasses. That sounds good. How do you feel about uh, fingerprint kits? Again, it's it's a little it's a little heavy. Um, I like fingerprint kit. Um, I think I lean towards fingerprint kit if uh, if this were a Joe deck, that would be the only seeker in a four player game or something. Maybe I go for uh, fingerprint kit to get that uh, clue density. Uh, fingerprint kitting plus a deduction, something like that, feels fantastic. Yeah, sure. Uh, but um, I'm thinking I, I'm leaning away. We can put it in there just to, uh, and then we can whittle it down later. If we want. Sure, we'll, we'll put in one kind of as a placeholder. How are we feeling okay. about like weapons and things? Yeah, I'm going to propose. Why don't we lightning round pick? Like, what the weapons you're going to put in and the tools you're going to fit in, and we'll discuss them after that. And we'll which get rid of them. Which, which guns, which swords? Go. Uh, standard Guardian package for me is uh, at level zero is definitely 45 automatic and enchanted blade. Um, We're in the same spot. Standard. Yep. Before it, the legendary machete, but unfortunately, due to taboo, uh, no longer. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing that would change, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, Machete on the taboo list, whether or not, like, what would happen if it came off? Would it be an interesting choice between Enchanted Blade and Machete? But I think what would happen is that you wouldn't have a choice between Enchanted Blade and Machete. You would just run both. Yeah. Seems, seems smart. I think, yeah. I think Enchanted Blade is one of those cards that was designed, like, really, really well with Machete in mind, because it seems to be, like, it burns brighter than a Machete does for, like, three attacks, and then it's, like, mm-hmm. not quite as good as a Machete, but it's still kind of reasonable, because you can still pump your strength with it a little bit. So I really like, yeah, yeah. I really like design on it specifically, and so, Standard Guardian Package, you said it the best, that's exactly what I would put into. So I don't have um, five weapons with the hunch guns, which is pretty pretty good. Right. Yeah, don't forget the don't forget the hunch guns. Yeah. Uh, is there any other assets that you think Joe needs to bring with him to? What about friends? Line? Allies. <laughs> who who are Joe who are Joe's best friends? Which allies yeah, this is probably, This is a really tough pick for Joe because there's several very good options. That is true. Yeah. Uh. Like, if he is the primary fighter, you probably want to go with uh, guard dogs or beat cops. Um, if you're going for uh, seeking or cluing or card draw, you probably want to go Milan or Rook or even lab assistant um, if you're going for raw card draw over tutoring. Um, the way I'm leaning, because this is the circle undone. Um, Wait. Is it the Circle Line? I thought we got Carcosa. No, we got Circle Oh, we did get Circle Line. Okay, never mind, never mind. Yeah, you okay. did mention Carcosa Pass earlier, which was confusing, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So, uh, go, um, 
Also, another good shout out for solo seekers, uh, since we have Scott uh, listening, would be uh, Malison. Uh, having that yes. uh, handful and solo would be really good, especially since Joe can pick it up easily and he is so vulnerable to will treacheries that uh, it'd definitely be worth considering solo. Yeah, yeah, Malison is like weirdly one of the best cards that just doesn't really see much play just because there are multiple other cards that usually kind of outshine it, but it is a good card. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, I like Alice a lot in, uh, in Joe. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's very similar to Dr. Milan and you're basically giving up money, which is a risk because you know, you obviously you need money, but being able to ping stuff can be really good, especially with like working hunch. Yeah. Alice, Alice was going to, I think Alice is probably the best choice for, circle undone because it does have that two sanity soak which is always great it has mm -hmm. the intellect boost which is uh good for joe being a flex but also she has two health which is yes. really important in the circle undone yes because centuries yeah. of secrets, centuries of secrets. Mm -hmm. yeah. the oh, peter I, I killer we were talking about this the other day i feel like almost every i feel like each of the last three campaigns has had some card that is kind of designed to nuke your allies i, mm -hmm. I guess uh yeah, Centuries of Secrets happens to be one that you can defend against by just having allies that have at least two health. So yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so we so got we're in there. What else do we need? Joe and Alice. Do we need uh, dogs? Do we need? Um... Do you typically do like two two allies in a list? Generally speaking, I'll do like just one unless I'm doing like crazy like uh, Leo Anderson shenanigans or something like that. Usually, I just have like that one slot. Yeah, uh, the only time I use two uh, is, like you said, if I'm uh, Leo or Tommy and I'm just chewing through my allies like there's no tomorrow. Uh, or if, I guess there's three cases. Uh, the second is if I'm planning on upgrading into Charisma, like, first thing, and um, the two allies I want are level zero, might as well just... Like, this happens a lot with Mystics. Like, maybe they want Arcane Initiate and David Renfield or Oliver Bride, something like that. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah. And the other time that I take uh, more than one ally is if they're designed to be, like, one-and-done soaked sort of transient allies. Like, yeah. uh, they're, they're Roland decks that use uh, Art Student and... Uh, um, lab laboratory assistant to great effect, and those are allies you expect to die. So yeah, yeah playing for there is fine. But I think in this deck, one unique ally that you kind of want to keep on the board at all times, one is probably fine. Cool. So we're at twenty three cards. We got some good events. We've got his hunch hatch deck pretty much well spoken for, but we're probably going to want to put a couple more in there. Uh, how do you feel about balancing skills to assets to to events? Um, so, uh, we're, de we're definitely going to end up cutting this deck down. Uh, we, we have 23 cards and so we have quite a ways to go actually. Yeah. 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 Um, skills, they're my favorite card type. Um, I love the improvisational nature of them. Um, and since we're talking about skills and, uh, one thing Kind of shout out as spectacular in Joe is the practice makes perfect package. Um, yes, that's my favorite. Uh, 
Yeah, deduction, overpower, perception, vicious blow, uh, take the initiative. Uh, wait, is take the initiative one? It is, it is. Okay. Uh, so he, he can play a lot of, honestly, the uh, best practice cards right now. Uh, so, yeah, definitely really like that. So let's we talk much about the heart. Practice purpose, but this is a card that searches your deck uh, for another practice card, right? And yeah, let me throw it out there. If you can, and then you get keep it, right? And then you, you do if, your hand. if you pass. Yeah. 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 So let's throw so it you up get, here. You get two uses out. You get, you get to search a card from your deck. If you Mandy, you get to, um, and uh, then commit to the test, and then you get to keep it to use it again. So it's like really efficient. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, with this, uh, also you feel the you don't feel the sting of not having uh, fingerprint kits as much because you get uh, you can get potentially twice as many uses out of your deductions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's truly like as soon as this card came out, we we were kind of talking about it like maybe not having enough practice cards or not really a lot of investigators having the option for it. But as soon as my mind hit Joe, I was like, oh my god, he's got vicious flows and deductions and perceptions and overpowers. It's it's crazy, the amount of like versatility it gives him. Bouncing it back to your hand is, is super great. So for now, we'll probably just put the whole package in there. We'll put two overpowers, two perceptions, uh, two deductions, two vicious blows. Did you want, how do you feel about uh, two take the initiatives in, in uh, two player? Would you want two or one? Uh, two player. It's, um, yeah, probably two copies. I mean, take the initiative is something that I would maybe consider in comparison with um, inquiring lines, just because right. those are both things that give you uh, three wild symbols, but they're kind of conditional on when you're allowed to use them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I, although I guess inquiring minds is maybe not um, is maybe not practiced. I'm not sure. Inquiring no. Mind is not, no. Okay. Um, it is innate, and Silas can use it. Yeah. Practice Makes Perfect is, or sorry, uh, Take the Initiative is also generally better for Mythos Defense, too. Yes. Uh, because you're not caught on a off-clue location, but uh, yeah, you, you can kind of go either way there. That is true. And yeah, for sure. There's one other card, right? Uh, leader, or leadership, right now. Yeah, so leadership is actually another card that recently got got a uh, above it. It got a level two version, uh, relatively recently, I believe, um, which is actually uh, I, it's it's pretty relevant in Circle Undone. Will tests are so 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 important in in Circle Undone, um, and for Joe, it's a little bit of a deficit. But if so, if you're with somebody like Diana, uh, I, I believe the upgraded leadership you'd be looking at gives you like three. Yeah, the upgrade, the upgrade leadership gives you money, right? It gives you and the person this exactly, exactly, which, which is which is cool. Like I, the upgraded version of it, I like. I'm not sure if I would play the level zero version, but it might be worth it because it's practice. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Um, we we can throw it in there and like put it first on the chopping block or something. Um, sounds good. We'll put it on one copy. Daring is also fantastic. Probably the best skill card Guardian has right now. Yes. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I was going to mention that because you. I don't know if you want overpowered and Daring. I mean, for now we'll just throw them all in and we can cut them down. Um, but yeah, you but might have to. You might, 
you might have to eventually choose between those maybe i don't know yeah and it'll be i think it'll be yeah you might have to choose between those one thing to point out about daring uh is that your partner matters a lot for this one because they are wilds versus uh overpowers uh combat icons so if this is paired with the mystic then you can commit over uh daring to the spell attacks and stuff like that that's true yeah yeah yeah. i know i i got a really good use out of it in a diana deck because she could use like you can use it with um uh the blade uh, the the spectral blade you could use it with yeah. uh, anything so it's it, it does double duty there um, yeah, yeah and you can use it for evading which is sometimes important if Joe's gonna need to evade a witch or something like that so perfect yeah yeah once he's out of handcuffs you know might have to <laughs> oh help him handcuff just the most daring handcuff you've ever seen exactly uh, that's true yeah all right so what else are we um, looking at here we've got we got a yeah, we, <laughs> We got a lot of skills though. Are we missing anything critical? What's our like? What's our? Uh, uh, do we have money cards in here? Crack the case. Uh, we got uh, okay. so we do have crack. Do we have so, crack the case. Yeah. Okay. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. The other card that I did want to mention, since it is a will, a circle and done is is pretty will intensive. One card that I found to be incredible for Roland specifically, but also by proxy uh, Joe, logical reasoning. I just think is always just a really strong pick for for a card, even if it's just like one of a copy. Healing horror can just sometimes come in so clutch, and that ability to to uh, just take a terror card off, like uh, Frozen in Fear or something like that, could just be so great. I think a, yeah. a lot of the cards in Circle Down are not terrors, though, aren't they? They're not. They're hexes. Yeah, hexes but are the big thing in Circle Down. Yeah, I remember. I think in Circle Undone, you're mostly playing it either to commit or to heal horror, which, you know, yeah. either one might be useful. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another insight that might be worthwhile, uh, especially in the Hunchdag, is Delay the Inevitable. Oh, for for oh, things yeah. like uh, Fate of All Fools and stuff? Yeah, well, like, it's... Well, it's uh, it's, it's hard it, It's fast and it's free, so... Well, it's... It's free if you're able to trigger it that round, right? If you try to keep it around, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think what you do, like how, how I play Delay the Inevitable and Joe, is that I always play it when it shows up. Worst case scenario, it just dies without doing anything, and now my hunch deck is full of better cards. Uh, best yeah, case that's scenario, a good point. it saves you damage or horror that you wouldn't have uh, expected otherwise. Yeah, it's actually kind of a good point. It's it's almost kind of a way to circumvent, like, if you don't have access to your um, your practice makes perfect slash take the initiative, like, defense. If you just throw that up and there and you get, like, a, any any will test that'll do you, like, a massive amount of horror or something, and you're like, great, I don't care. I'll just fail it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually a really cool, really cool interaction. Um, are you thinking right, of anything? Right, right, exactly. Um are you thinking of anything like dodge or uh, let me handle this? Anything that like kind of manipulates like enemy management or anything like that? Hmm, that's a that's a good point. Um, in four player, I would definitely consider uh, first watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, I like I like let me handle this a lot in higher player accounts. I think in two player it really depends on what your partner is and what the encounter deck is expected to look like because it might just not it might not be useful enough or it might be kind of good. But without or, knowing or, without knowing more, it's really hard to say. Or we're partnering him with Diana, uh, who's also going to be hybridy, so she'll be able to cancel anything too scary probably, okay. and also be able to deal with an enemy. So let's say keep it out. Sure. We are nice. We are exactly forty cards right now, and I was trying to figure out if there's something we critical we forgot. Uh, uh, or I do. <laughs> so I did want to. I did want to mention No Stone Unturned. I mean, mostly it's Ooh. the upgraded version that's really good because it's fast. Um, the level zero version obviously is not fast, so it's not quite as good, but it still might be worth. Like if if it was me, I would at least consider replacing the delay, the inevitables with those. But I could see the argument for going one and one or keeping the delays. It's it's kind of good either way. Yeah, they're both cards that I don't think you're uh, ever sad to see pop up on your hunch deck. Yeah, uh, but, you, but you're also not maybe like overjoyed compared to like a working hunch or something. You know? Right, yeah. right. Completely agree. So we, we can toss those in there and figure it out from there. So one asset actually, I actually completely forgot about that might be might be reasonable was um, good old Hallowed Mirror. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that in Joe, but it's only one deck slot. Uh, can provide a lot of healing in a lot of different ways. Um, if I don't know if you were thinking of any other accessory slot that might be reasonable for Joe. We don't have an accessory right now. Uh, it's a pretty solid include. Um... I like uh, I like the Tooth of Esli a lot, but I think for Joe it's just expensive, and you're probably not going to pass tests enough to draw cards off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe when he upgrades, uh, he'll upgrade into a uh, Grizzly Totem or something like that too, since yeah. we have all these spell cards. Uh, but as it stands right now, I think Halomir is probably the best for the uh, level zero. Cool. So, I, I don't think we have a lot lot left, right? Like, we, it's we've really, got the hunch deck filled out. So, the, the count at the top that says 42 cards, that's counting total, including the hunch deck, right? It okay. is, we'll, yes. So we have, yeah. Um, but, yeah, is there is there anything that we're... I mean, uh, Unexpected Courage, worth, worth thinking about at all? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's always worth yeah. thinking about. So thinking about it, we do have a lot of other other skills already, uh, some of which are already multiple question marks. So I don't know if we need courage. Yeah, I mean, I think both like both ways of tackling it are valid. Unexpected courage is always good, but mm, we have enough skills. Maybe we don't need it. Uh, and the only the only other thing that I would mention is, so are we happy with? I mean, I guess are we happy with just the two crack the cases or? Are you thinking about like emergency cash at all, or anything else that gives money? He doesn't have that many assets to play, right? Some things got for money. Some defense. Uh, I mean, some of them are going to go in the hunch deck and be, be cheap. But uh, I, and then lastly, uh, I mean, being a seeker deck, there's all the like um, discovery cards. I forget what the technical term. The, the cards that you have to like do some kind of a quest to unlock I, and then upgrade them. Stuff. Yeah, yeah those. I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say, I would be remiss in my Miskinog Universe Radio duties if I were to uh, not 
talk about the strange solution. <laughs> <laughs> it is really strong yeah. joke. He's ready to boost his combat anyway. <laughs> no hands, you know, go blast away, no hands plus. Yeah, the um yeah, that's that's a really good point. Uh, thinking about the endgame weapon is important for Joe, too. Um, if you're planning on going time-worn brand, you can probably dispense with it. But if you're going acidic kicker, then, yeah, obviously you have to take the Strange Solution. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Do you, do you want to pick out Strange Solution? Or I, I saw, actually, Team Covenant did a really cool playthrough with a Joe deck where he took the Archaic Glyphs that were the Dodge vers- variant, where you investigate, and after you investigate successfully, you uh, immediately dodge something at your location, too. I so mean, that, yeah, that worked cool. pretty well the for them. Is a pretty bog standard uh, sort of deck. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a lot of good stuff. Right. Uh, if you go into this with, like, a the idea that I want to do something funky with, like, ancient stones or something... Uh, or archaic glyphs. I, I, that's totally valid too. Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? What is what is your end game weapon vision for this Joe? The always vote melted around. So okay, that's why we're putting it out. When I so the one time that I played a Joe deck through a full campaign, I had the acidic kicker and fingerprint kits, and the synergy I was trying to take advantage of was the level three caches that can reload either of those. Um, mm. I think it was it was kind of a mix. It was like it, it's a lot of moving parts, and the fingerprint kits are still a little bit clunky. Um, but the the acidic kicker, the melteroni is really great. Um, <laughs> I, I think if it was me, I would lean in that direction just because anything that frees up hand slots to put in magnifying glasses and other things is just so huge for you. But I yeah I can see it the other way too. You know, especially like if you want to be able to hit the ground running in scenario one. Melteroni costs a lot of XP to, to upgrade, right? And you have to do the actual test, so. Yeah, but this is also the circle and done, so we have XP to spare. So. That's true. Uh, yeah, strange solution seems good to me. Let's get it in there. I guess. Because you got so much competition in your hand slots, you could consider Bandolier. But... <laughs> I don't know. Listen, so, Ben. Too many cards in this deck already, Ben. We were at 40, and you guys started adding cards. Now I don't get to... We were adding cards. cards. Ah, fine. The, never. The cards have been a little bit Down. I'm okay. Right. Uh, do we, want, uh, we have cards, but Eureka is also like a standard uh, seeker still. I I have like Eureka a lot. I'm, I'm not a fan of it outside Mandy, but maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's Maybe it has qualities that I'm not seeing. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like a slightly better card draw. But since Joe is going to be flexing, doing something, and he's not going to be passing any will or agility tests, so the only thing you could commit this to is an investigate. Maybe it's better. That's the thing, that. right? Because it, it basically is going to replace itself on an investigate and give you one symbol. That's like not quite enough for a card, Yeah, uh, in my opinion. I would say like if you were running uh, the totems, then this would be a great include just because you do get the double bonus from that. Um, but maybe, maybe not so much without it. Yeah, I agree with that. Cool. Right. So are we um, finally at the trim phase? Yeah. I don't know if we want to read everything out, uh, for, for listeners or if we just want to trim it and then read it. 
kind of leaning towards the latter. I, I think we I think we should for the benefit of people listening later who don't who can't see the deck, I think we should quickly read through all the cards. We don't have to read the numbers, we can just assume it's like two of everything. But just really quickly, let's let's read the full list. Alright, so Pat, do you wanna go through it? Yeah, sure. So we've got 15 assets, uh, 45 automatic, fingerprint kit, magnifying glass, uh, his signature, Detective Colt uh, 1911s, Hello Mirror, Alice Luxley, Enchanted Blade, Handcuffs, Strange Solution. Uh, events, uh, I'll include hunches in here too. Practice makes perfect, practicates, delay the inevitable, logical reasoning, no stone unturned, preposterous sketches, scene of the crime, shortcut, his weakness, unsolved case, working a hunch, 15 skills, uh, daring, deduction, leadership, overpower, perception, take the initiative, unexpected courage, vicious flow, and then a random base movement. Perfect. Which is probably going to be dendrophobia, Joe's very favorite. <laughs> oh, if it's dendrophobia, we'll be very happy we picked Strange Solution. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my god, the best counter in the game. Dendrophobia. <laughs> Dendrophobia is going to be a real card soon, too, not just a data card. It is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the the first thing before, because like skills and events, it's kind of like, you know, we could cut some skills or some events. But before we do that, can we can we go back and look at the hand slots and say, mm-hmm. like, is is this is do you feel like this is the right number of hand slot items to have? Or do you want to, like, get it down to a certain number? What do you think? We got seven right now or eight cards to take up hand slots. That is true. We got blades, yep. um, automatics. Maybe the fingerprint kit is a little much. I think we yeah. maybe don't need that because, especially if we're trying to practice make perfect to get like extra deduction uses or whatever. It, it's just so expensive. Yeah, yep. and it is the player, so you're not going to. You can always just investigate twice rather than. I don't know if you need the question there. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and you could probably, I mean, you could probably be okay with six and just say like, you know, that way you have a pretty good chance of finding a weapon early. And when you do find the magnifying glasses, they're great. Um, but you actually, I mean, you do actually have five weapons currently. You could maybe cut one if you wanted to go down to four. I don't know. I I, I could see it either way. And you don't have a way to dig for your weapons. So if you go down to four, I mean, there's, there's no, there's, there's no stone and preposterous sketches in the hunch deck and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure quite where we cut out. We were discussing what hand slots to cut, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. So we need hand we slots. On, we set on like cutting magnet, or, uh, fingerprint kit out. Yeah. Yeah. And and Pat made a really good point, which was that we should, if, if he was going to cut one of the weapons, he said, let's cut one of the 45s or, because the enchanted blade is really good for killing ghosts in Circle Undone. Particularly in um, its Wages of Sin has the ones that you just literally can't permanently kill without the like the the little geist dudes are like in multiple scenarios where they just become like a haunt after they die, but the 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 spectral dudes that like just you can't kill at all without a magical thing. Are yes, Wages of Sin. Um, yeah. What else am I missing here? So you need the cantrips, uh, overpower, perception. Oh, that's right. That's right. Courage. Thank you. Courage, overpower, perception. 
And we're back at 45. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> and then speaking, yeah, and speaking of 45, so the, right right when you disconnected, we said we were going to cut one of those, I think. That's right. That's right. I, I was actually going to, I was just about to say, since we have the security of practice makes perfect, where you can actually just pull out a, a vicious blow if you absolutely need to, sure. or like an overpower or something like that, that might alleviate some of the stress of not finding a weapon like super, super early on. Yeah. I mean, that's pocket gaze, but like if you really need to. And then, um, so, so we need at least, we need at least, uh, 10 hunches, right? And we have a yep. little bit more than that. Are there any of those that are worth cutting or are they all like decent enough? Cause you don't, the, the thing about Joe that I often forget is you can make your hunch deck at the beginning of each scenario, right? You can have like more than 10 hunches and you can choose which ones. I don't know if that's super, I don't know how often that really matters, but you technically can't do it. Yeah. Um, also something to consider is that, um, of those lots of hunches we have, uh, four of them, because Arkham DV does not separate out the hunt, the hunches you want to do them, crack the case and shortcut are probably in our main deck and not in our hunch deck. Yeah. 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 I was going to say the same thing maybe about logical reasoning too, just because it's, it's more situational. You might even just use it as a guts if you need to from time to time. All of those could I don't know, we'd have to we need to keep at least one card in that hunch deck because only one copy is not stone no stone. So if you so suppose you were to cut like one delay and one logical reasoning, then you'd be down to fourteen hunches. And then if you pull out the crack the cases and the shortcuts, I guess then you still have a logical reasoning in there. So maybe you wanna I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how this works. I think I there might be a lot of um a, a repetition with like things that use the defend, like Pat has delay the inevitables and uh, take the initiatives for kind of those reasons, taking initiatives being a really good mythos card. So maybe like the logical reasonings are a little bit over and overkill and we might be able to like drop one delay, one logical reasoning, like you were saying, Dan, or maybe just drop like all of the logic reasonings or all of the delay the inevitables, one of the take the initiatives, like maybe something in there could give a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think i agree with that uh so we have to have we have to cut uh so we have to cut a total of four cards um, yeah. four cards so yeah, maybe crack the case or not going in the hunch deck we yeah then we can only cut one of those cards yeah okay because it has to be 11 cards the hunch deck That's... okay so uh, we just yeah. kind of lot of reasoning I mean, yeah, to me, like, either a logical reasoning or a delay look like the most obvious candidates. I'd probably vote totally. vote one of the uh, logical reasonings off the island. Seems fine. <laughs> off Joe Island. And the other one's still in the hunch deck. I guess that's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, you could... You, we, I don't know if we want to add more stuff, but you could put in another no stone and then pull out the logical reasoning out of the hunch deck. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's go for it. More search also, like eliminating redundancy and I, I think there's some I think there's some low hanging fruit in the skills. Like oh, oh no, I well I wasn't saying pull it out entirely. Oh we could we could. If you don't think we need it, we don't really need it. Get it out of here. I think Helomir will probably do the job fine along with That is true. Uh, yeah. Especially with the no stone unturned, yeah. right? You can just put, you can pull it out. Yeah. Right. yeah. So why don't we just cut three skill cards in and... Can we take these unexpected courages out? As much as I've loved them from the core set, basically, until, like... Why, why do you, what do you hate about this? <laughs> why, why, why are you so racist? Man, this, 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 this we've, 
we've got even better. We've got take the initiatives, which are like, I, I think unexpected courage has gone all the way around from being like, probably like a ubiquitous card to like people sleep on it now and underrate it. But I don't think it's bad. This particular deck, maybe you don't need it quite as much. I mean, maybe, maybe just to one copy. Yeah, you can you can cut them both. We have so many skill cards. I, whatever, it's whatever Pat wants to do. Yeah, uh, I think we can probably cut down a one, uh, sure. drop the leadership, and then we only have one more card we need to cut. Um, and we'll see if unexpected courage is the last of those cuts. I mean, everything else looks pretty solid. How do you feel like super? looking at yeah yeah is that uh, is that i i like it as a one of honestly in most cases because sometimes you you'll like take it out for like a pathfinder or something like that anyway how are you feeling about having two copies of that yeah uh like like we said we have the cantrip skills um we have logical reasoning we have preposterous sketches we'll probably be able to find are one of just fine and you only need one to like secure yourself against those uh hexes so that's right because right. yeah. it is i mean the thing is because it only has an agility icon on it it's going to be very dead if you don't actually need to play it um and also so i'm trying to remember what are the circle undone scenarios where you really want handcuffs i think they might be late enough that by then you can probably have uh, at least like one upgraded um no stone unturned and then even if you only have one copy of handcuffs you can just tutor for it if you really need it right yeah right yeah so let's let's do that then we'll do one handcuffs i mean this is like this is like a Joe deck that I just want to play <laughs> pretty, pretty much anywhere in any case. Um, a lot of the limiters for like making it a two, uh, two or a solo run are not there. Like, like things that are like, like a Hawkeye folding camera, for example, is something that I would only consider for one or two player. Uh, fingerprint kit might be only for four or three player. Again, like you said, Pat, uh, in more of a Joe is the only seeker on the team or the primary seeker kind of a thing. Before we finalize this, we are talking about Circle Undone. I'm trying to remember how much evasion is like needed in Circle Undone, and if between Doe and Joe and our our perfect Diana deck that we're partnered with, if we'll have that necessary evasion. Uh, you have the you do have the Darings for that, which will help. Ooh, that's that's true. It, it only puts it on like a five, but we're playing standard. That's probably fine. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Darings will be good. Um, you Diana, do. I mean. I, I, I'm still I'm thinking about Wages of Sin a lot because I just played it, but being able to, well, maybe it's not as necessary in two player, but in higher player accounts, being able to evade one of the big heretics is really nice. But you can, I mean, you're doing enough stuff. I almost feel like you can kind of just count on your partner to be able to hopefully do evasions because you're doing like everything else. Yeah, Diana's got dodges all day long. <laughs> She's gonna be able to cancel damage, delay the idol, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. The assets too, if you really need. Yeah, it's just a, we can assume Diana will handle any critical evasion. She doesn't. We'll be like, well, I, I don't know. I got guns. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you can't do absolutely everything, right? At least yeah. you can't. You, you can't like put cards in your deck to try to handle everything. You have to like sacrifice some stuff. Yeah. Right. So so unless you want to play and have, have fun, you know. I know. I know. Um, hey, unexpected courage for that one of eight right. so, <laughs> no because well and the second one is like diminishing returns because you can only commit one to a test so that is true yeah um 
Yeah, this so, this looks yeah. this looks really good. I think this looks looks very solid. Perfect. That's our check, I guess. Is this deck doing what we want it to do? I think, I think it's looking good. I think yes. It's fighting. It's practicing everything. I, so I man, I love practice, Joe. So let's uh, if we're all happy with it, and it sounds like we are, we should read the final list, and then we should make sure to remember to upload this to ArkhamDB and like put the link in the in the. Uh, episode description and stuff so people can see it. Well, well, Dan, yeah. we we can't post the the final list yet. We're missing one card. What's that, Dan? Dan wants to use another spinner. The basic weakness. <laughs> like I appreciate Harrison made all these cool spinners, but Arkham DB has a button for this already. <laughs> this is way cooler. I don't know the. Uh, Better. I just we have to declare the final deck before we can pick our enemy's weakness as per, per the rules. But yeah, but this is the final deck. Uh, also, I mean, how is this going to work with uh, it when the imaginary second deck that's in this partnership has to draw weakness? Are are you going to remove that one from the spinner? Because obviously Ben is going to insist on that being what <laughs> happens. <laughs> that is a critical problem that Arkham D also doesn't have the ability to take out weaknesses from random basic weakness. Okay, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna spin the basic weakness field, then let's let's do it. All right, All right here we go. Are you ready to get a uh, what? What is it? Dendrophobia? <laughs> it's not in here yet. Don't worry. Spin the wheel. Do it. Uh, have you used the Arkham Cards app, Ben? Arkham Cards app. Yeah, I've used it a little bit. We got a mob enforcer. The mob is angry at Joe for his transgressions against for him. <laughs> I mean, I think it's rough because you really can't afford to do the parley pretty much ever. I guess you can kill it, but <laughs> you can cuff him. Oh, <laughs> oh, you can. Well, if, I mean, if, if you have your one copy handcuffs, right? But yeah, yeah. we got we got two uh, two. Uh, Proposcus sketches two no stone unturns. We'll find that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's technically considered a citizen's arrest because Joe is a private op. He's not actually a cop. So, <laughs> something to keep in mind. All right, why don't we read out the final deck? Yeah, Pat, if you want to do the honors. Perfect. All right, final deck uh, for Joe Diamond, as designed by Mescatonic University Radio plus me is uh, one 45 automatic, two magnifying glass, one detective cult uh, 1911s, one hollowed mirror, two Alex Luxley, two enchanted blade, one handcuffs, two strange solution, two practice makes perfect, two daring, two deduction, two overpower, two perception, two take the initiative, one unexpected courage, two vicious blow, one mob enforcer, uh, two crack the case, two delay the inevitable, two no stone unturned, two preposterous sketches, two scene of the crime, two shortcut, one unsolved case, and two working a hunch. And uh, for for people that are trying this at home, so it, so you were saying of those fifteen hunches, you probably want to have crack the case and shortcut in the main deck, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Um, it's really good. Yeah, it seems like a solid Joe deck. And, uh, Pat, do you have any, like, rituals that you perform when you're naming decks? <laughs> no. Do, do you have, no, like... Uh, question, uh, 
Normally, I just name. I'm boring. I name it after the uh, campaign, or uh, I add online if I'm playing it online. Uh, although I will say, the most delighted I've ever been naming a uh, a deck was uh, I just listened to your guys's interview with uh, Jack Strassi about his uh, betrayal at the Mountains of Madness. Yes. Uh, and Tim, get Tim, out. finish the campaign. <laughs> Make more scenarios. Yeah. I want to find what happens in Antarctica. He's working yeah. on it. It's a um, pandemic. You've got to have time to do this. Please. I'm desperate. I definitely have a uh, Batmom Carolyn and Batmom Diana. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I, I used to, uh, so Wikipedia has a random article button. And I used to use that to name mixtapes. I used to just like pick a random Wikipedia article and that was the name of the mixtape. I'm not recommending that in this particular situation, but it's, it's something it's something to keep in mind. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I mean, usually we call these zip codes uh, deck building and uh, something else instead of the D for the alliteration. Uh, dumb, dumb idea. Deck, deck building uh, and uh, dumb idea that's gone on <laughs> too long. But, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you hate something and, and then like uh, alliteration and word tricks and stuff? No? Yeah. I, don't, I don't like alliter- alliteration. Like, you got deck, deck building and daring, deck building and diamond. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, or uh, also just like common phrase, a diamond in the rough. I like that. There you go. All right. A diamond in the rough. Rough. Excellent. That's the that's the bow on top of this uh, this, this package that we've all wrapped yeah. <laughs> up. Okay. All right. Um, Perfect. And there it is. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for coming with us on this journey. It's been amazing hanging out with you, Pat, for for as long as we did, learning a little bit more about you, building this deck with you. Before we head out, is there anything that you wanted to plug, anything you wanted to remind uh, listeners to check out for yourself or otherwise? Yeah, so uh, we mentioned Netrunner at the beginning. Uh, For those of you not on the screen, you can't see the Netrunner deck on Bane's bed right now. Um, (laughs) Uh, there is Continentals. There's Netrunner Continentals coming up over the next three weekends. Uh, from <laughs> director. Uh, One of the most best received. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this weekend is uh, Asia Pacific region Continentals. Next weekend is Euros, and uh, the uh, weekend after that is North American Continentals. I'll be uh, commentating on. Uh, I believe I'll be commentating. Shouldn't, let's say for sure I will be. But I <laughs> Nisa, if you're hearing this, Pat is doing it. <laughs> on Asia Pacific and uh, North American Continentals. So uh, tune in. Tune in if you want to uh, continue to hear my wonderful voice. Um, besides that, just keep an eye on the store uh, and. Keep an eye on FarcomCon. Maybe you'll see more of my work there. You said it was. Uh, it's up until the twentieth is the um, the benefit for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund on your store, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Until the twentieth, it will uh, all of proceeds from my store go towards the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Great, very cool. 
Well, listeners, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, everybody on YouTube who's watching this after the fact, thanks for watching. Please check out Pat's storefront on makeplaincards.com. We'll include the link in the description as well as um, in the Twitch as well. Um, listeners, what is your take on our Joey Diamond deck? Uh, who else thinks that Pat could be an official uh, FFG commissioned artist? Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.